When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is comedian and podcaster Helen Bauer. Hello. Hello. That was such a good intro, Sophie. <laughs> Succinct. I mean, out of like, I was genuinely concerned it was going to be like this super long sort of intricate thing because of like what you didn't get to hear at home is Sophie lubricating her throat with like about six sips of water. So I was like, <laughs> oh shit, what's this intro going to be? And then that, you could have done that with your dry mouth. This is behind the scenes. I have to <laughs> drink, drink, drink a lot of water before I start every podcast. And I think it makes it worse of anything, but You're it's thirsty. Nurse. I get it. You're very thirsty. But I was like, what is she prepared? I maybe like you were gonna sing the intro or like part of me was like super excited that you were gonna sing a bit of s club seven as the intro and then the guests had to join in and i was like no. number one weird that she didn't give me a heads up and number two like why is she not singing yet and then it was just like comedian helen bauer like it was good it's just i'm just oh you know what i'm not here to judge you hi sophie how's it going no i just need to prepare to say about five words that's where i am <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much just a lot of effort for five words but what are five words they were so to start with i just want to know what's your history with s club seven and have you ever seen this weird TV show before? This is like, this could be a podcast in itself, just like the history of me with S Club 7. Um, I'm 29 years old, I was born in 1991. S Club 7 were a massive part of my formative years. Um, I wanted to be Hannah, I was more of a Joe. I thought Tina was the best dancer of all time, and I still think part of me that she is. Uh, my heart was broken when Paul had to sell his trophy online. <laughs> and... I genuinely think I am the woman I am today because of S Club 7. As far as the series Miami 7, like, so I watched the S Club 7 stuff and the S Club Genius stuff as it came out, but I don't think I ever watched them all properly because we didn't have one of those recorders at home. So if you caught it, then great. And if you didn't, then you're fucked, you know? Yeah, yeah. I watched them all originally on like videos that I borrowed from someone. So I did Shut watch them in up. order. Yeah. <laughs> did you have a friend who recorded it off TV? I'm not sure actually. I'm not sure if they were videos that were like available to buy or not or if she had just recorded them. Oh, but they can't have been. They were they can't have been available to buy. They're definitely not available now. <laughs> oh god. Like I remember like I loved S Club Seven. I thought they were great, but I was more like what TV I loved um 
the sleepover club do you remember that australian show right yes yeah like, i remember that, that was the kids tv show that i watched religiously as far as miami seven goes i was aware of it i knew it was happening and maybe because my mom was a drama teacher i knew the acting wasn't great and i'm sorry to jump <laughs> in and be insulting immediately maybe there was part of me that was like i'm gonna do better in my gcse's than this maybe but i'm I have grown up with us club seven. Yeah, you, you said your favourite was Hannah. You could have like you could have stepped in at any time to replace her. She's the best one. Like we all know that Joe was in quotation marks the singer, but Hannah just had that like that fun personality. She was cute. She was bubbly and she was fun. And I knew deep down I was Joe, but to be Hannah was like. <laughs> all I ever wanted. Yeah, Hannah's the kind of sweet, sunny one. She's often, I think, in yellow. I guess that's a deliberate thing. Sort of sunny personality. She's just so much fun. And then, like, even at the age of, like, 10, I knew with these, like... I just knew watching it that I wasn't going to grow up to be Hannah Spirit and be an actress. I knew I was going to have a fight with someone on Big Brother. Like, (laughs) I just... I just knew my fate wasn't good. <laughs> Realis- realistic child. I, I'm so realistic. Like part of me like now just still thinks, oh, what would have happened if I did have a more Hannah vibe to me when I was younger? It's hard to think about. So today we're talking about Miami 7 episode 4. It's called Wind Resistance and this aired on CBBC on the 29th of April 1999. Shut up! Do you have the statistics? Yeah. I love you so much, you massive loser. I love you. <laughs> oh, Sophie, I'm so concerned about you. <laughs> we're going in deep with this. I'm sorry, keep going. This is amazing. So I'm only four episodes in and I think... I think this is the maddest episode so far. Episode one was about them going to Miami. Episode two, they were kind of settling into the hotel. Episode three was just about them getting a car. And then here, Paul (laughs) is for some reason made temporary manager of the hotel. But then there's also. For some reason, you know the reason. (laughs) He's the sensible one for some reason now. And as well as all that, there's a hurricane and a Hawaiian luau going on. It's a lot to take in. I feel like for the sake of this episode, in honour of the episode of Miami 7, we should never refer to it as a luau and refer to it just as a lua lua or the Hawaiian thing. Oh, what, the luau? Yeah, I think you'll find it's pronounced luau. Yeah, but it's spelt lua-ua. But it's spoken luau. It's the Hawaiian pronunciation. Yeah, and at one point Joe calls it a loo brush. (laughs) It's just so colourful, isn't it? I mean, I don't even... Well, should we call it the loo brush for the sake of this episode? I think that's fair. Joe is just refusing to learn what the actual word is. Yeah, because Joe's fucking trash. And I will get to this for the end of the episode. There's a moment when Joe really gets what she deserves in life and for her future actions and it's yeah. so it's like a real great moment of redemption i feel for like everyone how do we do this do you want to go from the beginning because there's just so much to dissect yes so at the beginning they're they're filming rachel doing some sort of fake weather report and it's never really explained why she's saying oh there's been a hurricane it's claimed all these people's lives, including many talented artists and singers, plus Bradley McIntosh. <laughs> Burn. It's 
honestly, like, she's doing a fake weather report on a beach and they're spraying her and there's fans. But what you miss is the most incredible comic writing of a roast of all fucking time. Like, the episode for CBBC opens with her saying, there's a massive hurricane happening, 4,000 people are dead. (laughs) Yeah. And we don't know. And we don't know if this is fake. Is this really happened? Has she become a weather reporter since the last episode? We don't know. Or is she just auditioning? Like, there's just, and it never gets back to why she did it. Yeah, because they start they start spraying her with water, so she gets annoyed. She's like, "Oh, I could have drowned. My mascara could have run." Yes, yes, classic Rachel shit. Yeah, <laughs> Tina goes up to her and goes, "Sorry, Miss Stevens, but you failed." And it's like, at what? What are they doing? I'm, I'm assuming Rachel was trying to get like go viral in '99 because she is quite <laughs> ahead of her years. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she was the first one to go solo. She, like, she's a rocket ship and i think this is her first attempt to try and leave the band and it's meta because it's inside the show and you see her auditioning but what she needs is still her band around her to do all the other effects or it's just like a super clever way of opening up an episode about a hurricane by then pretending there's a hurricane before they know about the hurricane yeah because after she's done that joe says well, we are in Florida. What if there is a hurricane? Very cleverly setting things up for later on. Do you know what? That was so subtle. I watched that episode today and I missed it. I genuinely <laughs> missed Joe saying that. That's like, mad. What if, what if there is a hurricane? Holy shit. Rachel has a go at Bradley again. Rachel says, oh, well, the only violent winds we're in danger of is when Bradley eats Cuban food. Do you... Um, are Rachel and Bradley like fucking in the early episodes and then fall out? If they do, then it's not in the show. <laughs> okay, well, I think they work. There's a couple of little digs, and Bradley sort of is very nagging much... each other. Yeah, and Bradley's the one who's in the group, but he's not really in the group, you know. Yeah, later on, he's like listening to his own music when they're trying to rehearse, isn't he? Because he doesn't like pop. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I literally did not hear Joe say that, though. I'm so amazed. This writing is so good. How many people wrote this? This, for anyone who's been listening to the podcast up till now, this is the first episode which wasn't written by Kim Fuller. Oh. This episode is written by two guys. I knew it was two people. You could just tell. Yeah, I'm not sure who one of them is, but the other one is a guy called Paul Alexander, who I'm aware of because he's written some of the worst ever episodes of Red Dwarf. No way! Yeah. Amazing, amazing. His name came up and I was like, oh, fantastic. This is going to be a good show. So yeah, they're on the beach. Then Marvin, who's one of the guys who runs the hotel, he shows up and is like, Howard wants to see you. Uh, and Tina goes, but we're not due back till, like, as if she's clearly supposed to be getting cut off, but that doesn't happen. And she just goes, <laughs> but we're not due back till. It's just, it's classic. We've read a script. We haven't read it correctly. We're just going to go along with it, you know? And we're going to use that take. So I respect the person for not interrupting and going for it, but I also respect Tina for holding the well instead of keeping talking until she was interrupted. The whole thing I have a lot of respect for. Carry on. But it turns out Howard only wants to see Paul. So Paul obviously starts worrying that he's in trouble. Hannah goes, have you been looking through the peephole into the girls' changing room? And he goes, there isn't one. And she's like, oh, there is one in the men's. Right. This is where I think the episode really kicks off. 
okay? Because <laughs> I think as an S-Club fan, and anyone who was into S-Club 7 at any point would know if a manager wanted to see someone, it wouldn't be Paul. Paul is in every way the most forgettable one of them all. This is confusing. And this is when, for me, watching this episode, I went, huh? What's going on here? And I was hooked. And I will say, I like the reference to the people, but it's the 90s comedy I wanted. And yeah, of course, they're all trying to perv on each other. It's fucking classic. Yeah, he, he singled Paul out, which is suspicious. Hi, uh, Howard wants to see you. But it's lunchtime, we're not due back till... No, Howard doesn't want to see you, he wants to see you. But me? Ah, Paulie. What have you been doing then? Nothing. What does he want to see me about? I am not at liberty to say at this time. We've been nicking cakes from the kitchen. No. Well, you should. They taste great. Oh, have you been at the health club looking through the peephole into the girls' changing rooms? No, there isn't a peephole in the girls' changing room. Really? Oh, well, there is in the men's. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been drag racing when you were supposed to be valet parking, have you? No. I know, he's been winging in the swimming pool. And yeah, oh. but everyone does that. Oh. Don't they? Oh, that's gross. Paul decides he must be in trouble for peeing in the pool. And then he marches into Howard's office with his eyes closed for some reason and just goes, all right, I admit it, I peed in the swimming pool. And then he opens his eyes and sees that there's a room full of people. And I quite like that joke, but it's a bit weird that he walked into the room with his eyes completely closed. But that's Paul, you know? It's just like, why did he do that? Or who fucking knows he's just being Paul? That's just... It's, there's nothing else to it. It's a wonderful joke. He walks into a room with his eyes closed. That's what he's about. Yeah, that's just his vibe. And that's why he had to sell his Brit Award. No foresight. <laughs> there's, a load of, there's a load of people in the office because they're planning this uh, Hawaiian luau at the hotel. Or the, the luar, uar, however they the all insist on pronouncing it. The loo brush, yeah. The loo brush, sorry, that's it. Uh, Howard's, Howard says that this is an annual tradition, uh, just like his personal favourite, wear a thong to work day. This is a, this is a kid's show. <laughs> but it's like, this is exactly what you want from the 90s. It's just so bang on, isn't it? <laughs> amazing he offers paul a cigar and paul says i'm a bit young for those and for the record he's 22 he's so young so is he too young for a cigar though what age no, do you have not. to be i actually got given a cigar by my mum's cousin when i was 17 and then a box <laughs> of them for my 18th so, <laughs> so you're more much more mature than paul was I've seen a lot more than Paul had. Yeah, weirdly, they often act as if John is the sensible one, like this has come up in previous episodes. There was a moment in episode one where they all got given contracts and John wasn't there. And they were all like, oh, well, John isn't here, so we can't read the contracts. But John is the sensible one because he's not the singer, he's not the dancer, and he's not got a fashion sense. So, yeah, it is weird why they singled Paul out for this managerial role. It's just, but this is where the comedy comes in to it you know it's always going to be an element of surprise and that for me is the ultimate show of the element of surprise yeah maybe if john was in charge things would go smoothly and it wouldn't be the comedy gold that we get oh we know it would go well if john was in charge he knows how to run a loo brush so howard uh, is calling paul a sensible kid for some reason He's, he has all these nicknames for the band in an earlier episode, he called Rachel long-haired kid, even though she's not the only one with long hair. 
so uh, he's saying things like, oh, I've been watching you. You remind me of me at your age. And Paul is like, oh, you mean in 22 years, I'll look like that. That's not very nice. No. And it's a bit of a weird number too, because I think Howard looks older than 44. But it's because he's 22. So that's the number that he knows. <laughs> no one's, no one can be older than 44. That's the maximum age. I, ge- I don't even think it's that smart. I genuinely think he's like, oh, I've got to say a number in this sentence. I'm 22. So I'll say 22 <laughs> years older because it's just easier to remember. I genuinely think that's the thought process behind it. Like, Paul, just say any number. Okay, I'll say my uh, own age. <laughs> exactly. Like, say any name. Paul. Like, it's the exact same thinking. It's fucking marvellous. Uh, Howard says to him, oh, you're smart. You've got a talent for management. And he's basically saying all of this because he's going on holiday and he wants to leave Paul in charge of the hotel. And at this point, my immediate thought was why doesn't he just leave Marvin in charge? Because, you know, Marvin's his brother and they basically run the hotel together anyway. And then, as, so that was my thinking. And then Paul literally does say to him, why don't you ask Marvin? And I was thinking, oh great, I'm going to get an answer. And Howard just goes, ah, long story. And that's it. <laughs> See, there's, right, that for me is like, of course it can't be Marvin because they're setting it up just in case they do a movie at some point. And then they've got like a really good backstory for Marvin there. Like Marvin's a serial killer. Marvin sexually abused someone last time he was in charge. Marvin <laughs> can't have the keys to hotel rooms where women are staying by themselves. Like you just don't know the story. And I think it's good to leave things on like that open-ended when you're early in a series like you are with this one. We could have had, yeah, we could have had a, a prequel like Bates Motel about yes! like how <laughs> we, we could have had that, but with Marvin, but. It's the answer just uh long story and there's just no further questions. Paul's <laughs> like, Oh well, there we go. Were you upset, Sophie, because that was your question, but you were a bit like, Oh, but I also want to know that. Yeah, yeah. He okay. also says to him, You're you're like the son I never wanted, which I quite like. So good. So good. They're um they're all painting a building and Rachel goes, Oh, I've never painted a house before. And John says, just think of it like a big face and the paint is the eyeshadow. <laughs> this is one of my favourite bits because I fucking hate Rachel. So even though it's so sexist and I hate that someone would speak to her like that, she fucking deserves it because I hate her. Carry on. <laughs> but it it, wor- it works as well because she's like, oh, I get it now. I know because she's a fucking dick. <laughs> I hate her. I'm sorry. I really dislike her. And also, I think you can tell this was written by two men because that isn't how eyeshadow works you don't like cover your whole face (laughs) in eyeshadow i know it's so good though so paul walks through he's got a blazer on now he's got a sort of manager's badge yeah we don't know how long he's been the manager for but it's probably been about 10 minutes but he's become suddenly really patronizing and smug he's like oh i haven't got time for painting with you guys this hawaiian event isn't going to organize itself well power goes straight to your head do you know what i mean it's like tsar nikolai the last of the romanovs he wasn't taking it seriously he was messing about with chestnuts and like throwing them at his brothers then when his dad died he immediately stepped up it's the exact same thing with paul and the managerial of the great floridian or whatever it's called exactly the same i'm sure that's what they were thinking when they wrote this Oh, it's all a metaphor to the fall of the Romanovs. A hundred percent. And I will prove that. (laughs) Joe is being really aggressive here. They're all kind of teasing Paul. 
and yeah. like, oh, do we have to call you sir now? And Joe goes, or oh, would you prefer the slightly less formal muffin? <laughs> and this is also <laughs> the bit where she calls the luau, uh, the luar uar. Oh, what, the luau And Paul oh, tries to God. correct her pronunciation and she looks like she's going to fully, like, thump him. I hate, it's just so awful, isn't it? <laughs> it's probably, it's not very culturally sensitive, like, oh, we're not going to no. pronounce this word correctly, this historic Hawaiian tradition. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, Paul, it seems like Howard hasn't organised anything for this event, really. Paul has to do it all, and he's saying, I need to invite everyone. I need to book a music act. Where am I going to find one of those at short notice? And rightly, they're all like, um, hello. Yeah, I'm completely with them when they kick off with Paul for that. Because it's like, Paul, you're in a band. You're still in the band. You need to book a music act. And they're already there. It's just, it's mad that he would even say that out loud. That's where I like start losing respect for him as a manager. Well, I better get started. There's a lot to do. Get the catering organised. Get letters sent out to all the guests. Book a music act to play at the event. I mean, where am I going to find a music act at such short notice? Uh, hello? What? Have you forgotten what you did before you entered the glamorous world of hotel management? Oh, of course! You think I should book us as the music act? What a fantastic idea! You can see why it's been promoted, can't you? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I need a band who will turn up on time and sing what they're told to. As opposed to us, who'll just go in and trash the place? Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll rehearse an extra set for the Luau later on, and if I like it, then you're in. Yeah, he's probably only been a manager for like five minutes as well, and he's already just forgotten his past. And I'm sure his first four minutes were fucking great. It's just, it's so, it just shows how power can really ruin friendships and families. He tells them that they basically have to audition for him later, and Joe calls him a pompous git, which is pretty fair. And then throughout the day, he's just getting on everyone's nerves, isn't he? Like, And he's kind of acting like he's joined a cult or something. There's one bit where Tina is answering the phone at reception, and he is like, please is such a little word, but it unlocks so much happiness. It is. It's like he's read a book or listened to like five masterclasses and TED Talks on how to be a manager instead of like actually training to be a manager. Like my favorite one is when Hannah's at the reception desk and she does the smile at the guest. And he's like, did you smile at the guest? And she's like, yes. And he, she went, no, 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 no. You didn't smile. You smirked because you showed less than five teeth. And I was, I just thought that was amazing like the arrogance of it and the confidence to correct her. Sinister as well, isn't it? It's sinister the way he kind of leans into about an inch away from her face and is like, did you smile at them? It's a real sort of move that I would expect from Joe as a manager, but not from Paul. But it just shows that like, this is why he can't have power in the group. He doesn't know what to do with that. Yeah, he's lost his mind already. John is wearing a cute little sort of bellboy outfit, which I've never seen before. Um, <laughs> he's hauling a suitcase in and then a woman gets out of it, which I would be furious about if I was him. <laughs> it's a magician and his assistant. Um, they're checking in. After that, the band are rehearsing and they're all kind of getting a bit frustrated. Joe says, the little dictator will be here in a minute and I wouldn't put it past him to bump us from the Hawaiian loo brush. In all fairness, like, Joe is horrendous and I think they've portrayed her character through the writing really well and you really get a sense of who she is and what she will become in the future. 
like calling him a dictator. Sure, his behaviour is not great and we're messing around with cult leader. The thing is, Sophie, we don't know Paul. We're not saying it to his face. Joe is just willingly attacking him and that's what's frustrating. Because to be honest, she shouldn't be talking anyway. She should be listening to Tina and her choreography. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yeah, Joe is just fuming throughout this whole episode, pretty much. Maybe she wanted to be the manager instead. Oh, Joe wanted a lot of things, and I wanted her to shut her mouth and Big Brother. We don't always get what we want. <laughs> so paul eventually shows up to this rehearsal and he's like all right people i'm on a schedule let's do this uh he gives them their costumes which are grass skirts and coconut bras and again joe is just being really on the attack she says oh great every time rachel dances it'll sound like a stampede <laughs> which is not great but it's, it's attacking rachel so once again part of me is happy yeah, again, this is a kid's show. <laughs> We're just being encouraged, like, let's all have a laugh at Rachel, who's got so- slightly larger boobs than the others. Oh, she's rat love. Come on, Sophie, she's fucking... She knocked herself out. Uh, so they're not happy about these costumes. Rachel goes, I'm not wearing a haystack. And Tina, at this point, says what is, I think is my favourite line that I've heard in the series so far. I'm going to put a clip in the episode because I can't do justice to her delivery of it. But she looks completely calm while everyone else is talking. And then she just suddenly flips and goes, what am I, a choreographer or a combine harvester? And then the pause that she leaves (laughs) for people to react to that phrase is art. Oh my God, it's so good. Is the best line. You're correct. Oh, hi. I've been working on a new routine, especially for the Lou, oh, the Hawaiian thing. Great, and I've got your costumes here. You might as well put them on to rehearse. What is this? A skirt. Surely you've seen one of these before. Yeah, last time I went clothes shopping at a farmyard. I'm not wearing a skirt made out of straw. There's a bra made out of coconuts, too. Fantastic. Every time Rachel dances, it's going to sound like a stampede. Come on, I haven't got all day. I'm sorry, but I'm not wearing a haystack. Yeah, what am I? A choreographer or a combine harvester? And it's it's just so loud. <laughs> It's like she was so nervous to deliver it, she just screamed it instead. And I, I just love her. Oh, I love Tina. <laughs> That's great. She's, with talent. She's recently released a single, which I encourage you to <gasps> Google after this. Shut Can you remind me at the end? I really have to hear that. Yeah, I, I didn't know about it. Someone uh, sent me the link a few days ago and I was like, Shut this up. is... It's it's interesting. Uh, I'll see what you think later. Okay, I'll let you know. So Paul makes a swift exit. He says, I have to go and count the chips on the chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if that's just an excuse or if he's genuinely going to do that. He's taking things very seriously. He's totally making out that anything is more important than this. That's all he's doing. And it's the final dig at his group. They literally moved to Miami to make it as a, a band. And he's just one little sniff of power. And he's like, no, I want to be a hotel manager now. 
Yeah, well, groups go on the X Factor to make it big all together, and then one of them gets singled out, and all of a sudden they're a solo artist. It happens every day. After he leaves, they, they hear on the radio that there's a hurricane predicted for the weekend. And they are like, oh God, this is going to be too much for Paul. We need to find Howard. So they follow Marvin, don't they, by sort of hiding in a cleaning trolley. (laughs) And they discover that Howard is actually in the basement of the hotel. Yep, just hiding there, pretending to be on holiday. Yeah, I really, I don't understand Howard's logic here because... I know I'm thinking about this far too much, and I think that's like the tagline for this podcast, but Howard wants to hide from the hurricane, but I don't really understand what the benefit of that is, because at the end of the day, it's his hotel. So if there's a hurricane and he's left someone incompetent in charge, then surely the hotel's just going to get ruined. I don't really understand why he's just like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend it's not happening. This is 100% what I thought as well. Why weren't you closing up doors? Why weren't you like securing stuff? And he just hid underground in the basement. And also, it's so dangerous because also, like, if a hurricane happened, they can't check if you got in or out okay because they don't know that you're there. So you could just be left <laughs> underground and no one's going to come and search for you. This is when you really realise, because, like, for me as someone just watching this episode as an adult... I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, Howard doesn't seem that smart because he's appointed Paul as the manager, which wouldn't be my choice. And then you're like, well, he's clearly lost his mind because if this hurricane hits badly, he's going to die and no one's going to be searching for him. So this is for me when I lost all respect for him. And also, he if he knew the hurricane was coming... He's letting the luau go ahead. I don't understand the logic behind that as well. Why is he not just cancelling the luau? Oh, what, the luau was? It feels like that first five days of coronavirus when people were like, I'm still going to do a gig, though. And it's like, just don't gig. It's not going to make that much of a difference on the economy and the country if you do this one gig. People were really holding on. I feel like Howard's got that blitz spirit. It's so confusing because I feel like it would almost make more sense if he was on holiday. Yeah, oh, 100%. If he left somewhere where there wasn't a hurricane happening and just had a nice break, great. But he wanted, I just think maybe he's scared of aeroplanes. Maybe he's got a fear of losing complete control of situations. Like, God knows what's happening with him. And again, he could have just left Marvin in charge. But you can't leave Marvin in charge because he's a sex offender. This is <laughs> oh, what you no, keep I forgetting, Sophie. <laughs> I forgot about the backstory. You have to try and find a way to remember. I know it's traumatising, but you've got to remember that. Maybe write it on in front of you for the next episode. <laughs> You'll see it in all the subtext now I've told you. That's what's creepy. I, li- I like Marvin. I'm not going to make this a running thing. <laughs> Oh, well, so you like sex offenders then. Well done, Sophie. That's a great choice. (laughs) I I like this bit when Paul is kind of, he's sort of perving at some girls by the pool and his phone rings and he just goes, excuse me, business. Oh my God, it's so good, isn't it? It's like people answer the phone with their full name. Like, hello, Bowen. Like, oh, amazing. I think I'm going to start doing that, just going, excuse me, business, when I answer the phone. (laughs) Please do. And that's how Paul discovers where Howard is because he answers the phone to Howard and then Bradley grabs the phone off him and Paul's like, what are you doing on Copacabana Beach? Yes. Uh, they they obviously go and confront Howard then in the basement. He's got all these sandbags and tinned food. He says yeah. that he knew about the hurricane because he heard about it on the Hurricane Channel. Yes, which is a great channel. 
but he convinces them well he tries to convince them that it's going to be okay he says oh this area is a hurricane free zone which sounds like something that trump would probably say (laughs) he's just (laughs) fake news and he just basically tells them to go back to work doesn't he doesn't he also try and convince them that, oh, he's like, oh, all these sandbags, all these cans of tin food, oh, they're not because of a hurricane, they're because they're my favourite two things to collect. Doesn't he try yeah, that? He, yeah, ah. he collects them. I love that argument. I think it's just such a brilliant one, which is in some ways quite plausible. Like, Americans love stockpiling and extreme coupon in USA. Like, he could be one of those. Yeah, Howard would be okay now. He'd have his tinned food supplies. Oh, he'd be so sorted. But basically, he convinced them all, and then they decide to go along with the party anyway, because it's just a hurricane. Yeah, they're all preparing for it, but the wind just keeps getting stronger and stronger. But they're not preparing for the hurricane, they're preparing for the loo brush. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so disturbing for me. Like, when they have a meeting with the insurance company, it's going to be a fucking disaster. Sorry, Sophie, this really pisses me off. Yeah, they're just kind of moving furniture around, aren't they? Around the pool! It makes no sense! Uh, We find out that the hurricane is called Hurricane Hannah, which Hannah isn't very happy about. She says, can you sue a hurricane? And Joe goes, well, you could, but the lawyer would blow the case. Now, I'm sorry, Sophie. Number one, I do like that joke, but that is fucking bullshit and shows how little respect the writers had for S Club 7. That (laughs) sort of bullshit of Hannah saying, can I sue a hurricane? That's a fucking Rachel joke if I ever saw one. That's for that (laughs) dim piece of shit, Rachel Stevens. Hannah would never fucking say that. She'd be excited about a hurricane being named Hannah. There, I've said my piece, I'll leave it. Yeah, that is a good point. You agree though? That's bullshit. (laughs) Hannah's not thick. She's fun, not stupid. Yeah, they haven't got the characters figured out yet. They're all kind of interchangeable. Not at all. Joe they've nailed. Rachel they've nailed. The rest, no. Yeah, the wind just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Bradley and John are still trying to carry on playing tennis, but the ball just keeps hitting them. And at the end, they're sort of like hobbling and doubled over. Bradley looks like he's seriously injured and needs to go to the hospital. Yeah, it's also a wonderful scene in sort of showing how much work the women are putting in while the men are playing tennis, which I think is a lovely comment on society. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Oh, it's such a good comment. Yeah, they're not preparing for the luau. They're just playing tennis with some guests. Like, oh, we have to play tennis. Yeah, of course a white man's the manager. The other two men are playing tennis and the women are trying to get prepared whilst being forced to wear coconut bras. It's fucking amazing. Paul goes to see Howard again and says, oh, it's getting a bit blowy out there. And Howard's like, no, no, it's just a, a gentle sea breeze. And he says, what are you complaining about? It rained in Britain for the whole of the 80s. Which Paul just accepts, like, that's a fact. For fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> Exactly. So Paul goes back outside and is like, where's John gone? And it turns out John was worried about Howard's pet alligator, so went and tied him up. And this is a weird visual, isn't it? It's a weird visual, but I just want to quickly point out that this shows how sensible John is, that he's the only one that thought, oh, there's an alligator. Like, yeah, of course he thought that, and full respect for it. But it's clearly, there's no effort put into making the alligator look real. That's what I really like about it. Yeah, it's kind of, well, he's tried to tie it up with some rope, but it's just floating in the sky and then the rope (laughs) snaps and it just sadly floats away and John just goes, oops. Yeah, just oops. He doesn't tell anyone else. He doesn't let anyone know. It's just, it's happened and he moves on. Because next thing we know, isn't this when Joe goes to get the umbrella? 
Yeah, she puts an umbrella up for no apparent reason. Fuck knows what's going through her head. Because, yeah, just before that, Paul says, well, they're they're all saying, obviously, oh, the event has to be cancelled, and Paul is still like, no. He says, haven't you ever heard of the saying, the show must go on? And Joe goes, haven't you ever heard of the saying, you've gone mental, you hoof? (laughs) It's awful. It's fucking awful. (laughs) And this is where she puts up this umbrella for some reason. It kind of, it it blows towards her, but the umbrella isn't up already. It's down and then she puts it up and obviously gets whisked away into the sky screaming. It's just such a good effect of like they clearly blew the whole budget on that one image of joe being pulled into the air (laughs) it's just amazing and they go is it a bird is it a plane no it's an essex girl (laughs) love that genius i love it she's just floating around with this umbrella she's like a sort of angry mary poppins in the sky and then we (laughs) we hear a thud and it turns out she's landed in a truck full of manure isn't it it's such a good reveal where you're like oh i guess maybe joe's died is this the jeopardy how's paul gonna deal with this and then they come in holding joe like holding her up on both sides to Paul at the manager's desk, and he's like, oh, thank God, Joe, you're okay. Like, what happened? And she does this whole spiel, and she's super pissed off, but she's been pissed off the whole time. But if anything, a bit more pissed off now. And she's just covered in horse poo. And then he hugs her to make it all better, and she says, that's not going to work! But it does. Yeah. <laughs> but to see her covered in dung feels good. Yeah, it's a very long-winded way of her saying, I fell in a truck full of horse poo, but that's basically what's happened. And yeah, this is kind of the point, The point, isn't it, where Paul realises this is a bit ridiculous, it's gone too far. He feels his first pang of leader guilt, like he's let his people down. Thank God, Joe, are you okay? Did you know that twice a year they spread horse poo around the palm trees? And did you know that it comes here by truck? And did you know that one of those trucks was driving past the hotel just now? What I do, and the answer to your question is no, I am not okay! Yeah, he goes to see Howard again after that and basically lies to him and says that the hurricane's over and Howard is like, great, you're fired. Uh, Again, what is the logic? I don't really understand why he wanted the hotel to get destroyed, but he goes outside and then gets hit in the head with a coconut and is knocked unconscious. Which is a wonderful sequence. They've cut in between his head and the coconut flying through the air and it's shaking off the branch. It's amazing. Yeah, and they ultimately have the luau. Oh, what the luau are? In the basement, don't they? Yep. And it's the re- so basically they have to get him out of the basement so they can redo it up in there. And it looks phenomenal. Like phenomenal? <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal. It does look really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it is a roaring success. Everyone's turned up for this basement luau. And they're all kind of, they're all hugging Paul and saying, oh, we missed you. It's so good to have you back. And yeah. it's like, Guys, he didn't get brainwashed or anything. He did just become a tool. See, this is where I'm going to have to disagree with you, Sophie. I think he did go through some sort of like mental breakdown in some way. Like the power made him feel like he had to change. So he actually did a little bit. I think that happened. Yeah, he was on like a sort of power trip and just lost his mind. Yeah, and they, I think they genuinely did miss his friend. Like you can see that. I mean, Rachel's not genuine with it, but you can tell that Hannah is, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. And we get a musical number to close the episode, which is Everybody Wants You. Uh, They're all wearing sort of Hawaiian themed outfits and Paul is the only one in a coconut bra and skirt. So I guess that's his sort of punishment. I think that's the lighthearted way of being like, look, you've been an asshole to us all day. You've been really sexist and misogynistic as well. How about you just dance in this and then we'll just let it be and I guess we'll get ready for the next episode. That's how I took it. Yeah, because they hand him the costume, don't they? And he does a, a really good scream. Welcome back. We missed you. Really? All of you? Yeah, all yeah. of you. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Ah! Stage costume. Putting this thing on, you must be kidding. No. no. And it's wonderful. It's fucking wonderful. And I think it really pulls the episode off and it just sort of like shows you that no matter what happens, they still will be S Club 7. Until Paul actually leaves. Well, can we just pretend that doesn't happen for the sake of this conversation? Yeah. It's like we're in quarantine, uh, we don't need to bring anything down. And you saying that makes me feel awful. Yeah, the thing is, I know they do include it in the TV show at some point, and I can't remember how it's actually done. So I'm interested to see how they actually do work they it actually? in. The, yeah, because there's four series Fuck of this. Off. Okay, and um, during the fourth series, I think he's in the first few episodes, and then that's he leaves. But I can't remember how they actually do it. Oh my god. Can you message me when you get up to that section? Like when you find out which episode it is, I want to watch it. Yeah. But I genuinely, I thought this episode was, for the most part, very intriguing. I think there were some writing mistakes, but I just think that's just from the writers not being experienced writers. I think they were good writers. I just think they just didn't know their characters well. Yeah, I think this is a fun episode. There is a lot going on. Like I said before, the previous episode was about them buying a car and that was yeah. pretty much it. And then this episode, there's a hurricane, there's a luau. Oh, what, the luau Paul yeah. goes on a weird power trip. Yeah. It's a lot to take in, but I think this is a very fun episode. I think what I want to say about it is as an episode in a series, I feel like it asks more questions than it answers. Yeah. Well, you you have provided some answers. You've filled in <laughs> Marvin's backstory, but nobody you believe, knew they right? wanted. Do you believe it now? <laughs> yeah, I'll take I'll take this forward. What it, it, the rest of the episodes won't be the same. Works at a hotel. Where do you think these creeps work? It all makes <laughs> sense when you think about it. And one thing I think we didn't mention: the very end of the episode during this musical number, Howard does regain consciousness. <laughs> And the the alligator just falls from the sky on top of him. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> and I took I I took a screenshot of that the other day because it's just so blatantly just a toy alligator with just <laughs> yes. a really blank expression. But I think it's just so lovely because it just sort of ties everything up. It finishes the episode on a laugh, and it's just wonderful. And it also gives you that sense of jeopardy to tune into the next episode with like, is the next episode going to start with Howard being mauled to death by a crocodile? Yeah. And it also lets us know that the alligator is okay because the last time we saw it, it was just floating away into the sky. I mean, we know it's not okay. It's clearly an inanimate object. You know it's not well. But it's like a reunion. It's a reunion and it's sweet. Yeah. So any other kind of last thoughts on the episode? I think it's a lot stronger than I remembered it being. I feel the acting in general just needs to be worked on, but I think I got a lot from it. Yeah. That is good. So um, before we finish, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything like your podcast that you want to plug? 
Oh my God, plugs. I'm so good at these now. Um, so I'm on Twitter and it's at Helen, B-A-B-A-U-E-R, like Bird Bauer to make it super fun and cute. And um, I've got a podcast called Daddy Look At Me. And everything's linked on Instagram and Twitter and it's the same handle for both. So please follow me on one of those if you want to. Yes, and it's a very funny podcast, so everyone should check that out. Shut up, it's an okay podcast, but this is way better <laughs> of a premise. This is a better podcast. <laughs> like, you and I both know that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.